If you're ready to confront your destiny, if this is the moment that you've been praying for, tune in and listen to your cosmic cheerleader, Commander Lady Athena. Cosmic Pep Talks for Closet Christ. The show is the voice of the Ashtar Command. The call is for you to step forward into your greatness. Be listening on Wednesday. We have an appointment with destiny. Greetings in the supreme love that we are each a conduit of. I'm Commander Lady Athena, and you're listening to the voice of the Ashtar Command. Cosmic Pep Talks for Closet Christ. Our seminar topic is Our Speech and Harmonic Resonance. Our Speech and Harmonic Resonance. So, if you're ready, let's take a deep cleansing breath together. And let's take another one, and as we do, let's sound awe. Deep breath. Ah. And now we're going to take another deep breath, and we're going to sound sa-e. Okay? Deep breath. Sigh. Let's do that again. Deep breath. Sigh. And one more time. And we ask just now for the clearance so that each one of us can be cleared and aligned with our unique harmonic resonance. Resonance means how we sound, how we resound throughout creation. You know, we're each unique in that. There's not another that has your particular resonance in all of creation. Your particular variety, your palette, if you will, of color. Your particular quality of love, the vibration of love. Your particular heartbeat, your particular fingerprints, the iris of your eyes. There are so many things that are unique to you. And yet the more we explore the mysteries of creation and the universe, the more it's demonstrated and proven again and again that we are one life form, one divine organism with many, many radiations or extensions that I like to liken to there being like one great sun of which we are each a ray. But a ray is not different from the source. And it's not separated. 
from the source. So like that, we each radiate the light, love, sound, frequency of the one heart-mind of the all that is. But without your particular unique essence, well, it's inconceivable. God has willed you to be exactly as you are. And that's something so precious that we cannot emphasize enough how important everything you say, think, and do when it's rightly aligned with your divine truth, your divine essence, feeds and fosters the totality of existence. Because in highest truth, you've never left the heart of God, and yet your travel through time and space and causality is a wonderful returning back to that. And in the returning, you carry all of life to a higher level. Yes, in your remembering and returning in time space, from this state of complete forgetfulness, your return is drawing all life home. That's the unique function of every single soul unit, which is you and me and everyone, called collectively the uniquely begotten Son of God. Each unique in that which was was begotten, which is the love of God. So we are known and identified throughout creation by our particular unique resonance, that tone that sounds forth as our love song to God. The true self, the soul, your innermost heart, is constantly in a state of divine adoration, absorption, immersion, radiation. You radiate that quality all the time, even if your personal self gets all confused with the mind and forgets and thinks it's separate. Even as that's going on, which really doesn't matter a great deal, the truth of your being speaks louder. And it's upon that truth that we rest. Even as we go through the trials and tribulations that's entailed in our return to remembrance and knowing. So this journey that we're taking, we are collectively working to refine and purify that note that we called the fourth kingdom of nature, the human kingdom, sound forth. We're doing it together. We're walking this path of return together. We're helping each other because as you advance, we all advance. If you lag behind a bit, don't worry. You're being carried in the collective wave of return. 
And so in order to hit that keynote that we call living love and living sound or the living word, if you will, we are working now to refine our authenticity so that we can move into that which we call the age of truth or the Satya Yuga or the fifth world or the new earth or the golden age. So whatever you wish to define it as, it's us establishing the harmonic resonance that is the truth of our being. Now we're going to look at it in rather practical terms tonight because if we can't import it into our sneakers and our Levi's, (laughs) it's not going to serve us very well. But let me ask you this. How good is your word? Are you a person who can be trusted to follow through and keep your word? And you might think, well, what does that have to do with harmonic resonance? Beloved, it has everything to do with harmonic resonance. Because you are the living word of God that was spoken forth and took on flesh and manifested in this time-space dream as whoever you are with whatever name you bear. You are the spoken word incarnate. And so the reflection of that in time-speech, yeah, (laughs) time-speech, time-space is how you speak. Do you realize that you're the only being throughout creation that has been given the authority to speak for and as God. You are the one being in all creation that can speak the divine word of God as the divine itself. And that you can be self-aware in that. That's an extraordinary thing that the human being has as its divine heritage. It's inbuilt into your system. That's why in all of the ancient mystery schools and modern mystery schools, and even today, the very first discipline that you're going to be practicing is to master the tongue. If you can master the tongue, that is the greatest thing you could possibly do. Because out of the tongue, you speak the issues of your life. You speak and prophesy your own unfolding. Your word spoken with divine intent becomes a law unto you. Thank God we don't have a lot of power until we have mastered our speech. It is said that unless the tongue has been rendered harmless, it can never speak with divine power. So mastering that tongue is everything. The tongue is given to several faults. Number one, 
it speaks too much. Number two, it criticizes and makes false statements about others. It lies, in other words. Number three, it speaks ill of self and others. Number four, it's given to gossip and slander. So these are all areas that we have to overcome and master to harness the tongue. The tongue is the one organ that is single. That means our word must align with our innate divinity to be in harmonic resonance. There must be an agreement between what you think and what you speak and your behavior. It's got to all line up. When it lines up, you have a person of enormous power and influence. One whose words are weighty. They may be few, as they are in, in the case of many master souls. They don't speak a lot. But when they speak, they weigh each word that it has the proper resonance and impact. That's why someone could be very eloquent and use many flowery words, but as they speak, it leaves no impression at all. It's quickly forgotten. But one who speaks from the very innermost core from the very heart of hearts, the truth that aligns completely with the essence divine, those words, though they be very few, will go deep, deep into your innermost being. You know, it's interesting. When I, uh, I used to go to the University of Santa Barbara quite regularly and, and hear the different speakers, and there was a Swami Satchitananda who spoke, gosh, this must have been back in uh, the late 60s. Do you know I can remember almost every word that Swami spoke? I can remember the examples he gave. I can remember the bhajans, the divine chants that he led. That's how impactful his words were. What a perfect name. He's called Satchitananda. Being awareness bliss. Atma. Perfect. Because he was most certainly that. And you might recall someone that you've heard in your life whose words have never departed from your mind. Those words, I can guarantee you, were spoken from the authentic essence of that person. So that authentic essence is cultivated by paying attention to what comes out of your mouth. What do you speak forth every day? And how much conscious self-regulation goes into what you say? 
Are you a person that's given to just impulsive, unconscious speech, as most people are? But I don't think all of you listening fall in that category. I think many of you listening are old yogis and yoginis like myself, people who've been on the path of light, maybe for many lifetimes. Maybe this is your very last lifetime. I particularly, we particularly want to speak to you. Because we're putting the finishing touches on you because you won't come here again under karma. But if you come again, it will simply be to be of service to others. You in particular, we speak to each week. Now, as long as the tongue is still speaking ill of others, self-realization is blocked. This is something so important that I think many, many of us are just hovering and feel like we're blocked, we're stuck. What do I need to do now to, to break through this, this seeming barrier? The tongue must cease speaking ill of others. It blocks self-realization. Who says so? The avatar Satya Sai Baba. That's what he said. And since the avatar always comes to take humanity to its next step, to advance it beyond where it is to where it could be, if it heeds the teachings, we need to take to heart what these great cosmic emissaries that we call cosmic avatars are here to do. And they put the finger on where we're stuck. We are stuck in judging, criticizing, condemning, and finding fault with each other. But what did Jesus say? He said that we are known as people of God by our love for one another. Not so much our love for God, but our love for each other. We can't see God, but we can see each other, and we're taught that God lives in the heart of all beings. So what you do to another person, you're doing to the Lord. That's why Jesus said, whatsoever you do to the least of these, you've done unto me. So to abuse another emanation of the Lord is to abuse the Lord. Ah, we recoil at that. We would never think of, you know, saying half of what we say to each other if we were face-to-face with Jesus or Sai Baba or Ramana Maharshi or Yogananda or one of the other great, great Mahapurushas. We wouldn't think of that. And yet we abuse and mistreat the living God in front of us in the form of that person. Well, sometimes they're so heavily disguised you can't see much there. (laughs) That even closely resembles the divine. So we have to take the word of these great enlightened beings that God dwells in you as you. 
And that the whole play of differentiation is a big maya, big dream. It's a delusion. It's an interesting thing. You know, whenever the Lord comes, he has a companion that comes along with him. It's called Mahamaya. Maha means great. Maya means that deluding quality. So while maybe you have been in the presence of one of these great beings, and you're fooled into thinking that that great being is outside of you, but you know something really remarkable? You could not see that divine being outside of you if that divine being wasn't looking through your eyes. This is one of the greatest mysteries, is that the seer who's seeing through your eyes, the object that you are looking at, and the act of cognizing that, are all one and the same. Oh, this is crazy talk to most people. They, they don't understand that. No, you only see yourself. So in order to even have the good fortune to be in the presence of the avatar, means the avatar inside you is seeing the avatar outside And blessed is the one that cognizes that they are one and the same. You have to be awakened to see the divine in others. But what is it that has awakened the divine in you? Please know that the act of seeing and the object that you see are one and the same. They're not separate. So pay attention to what you see and what you notice because you're looking through that within your own self. That's why Jesus said, too, why are you paying so much attention to that sliver in the eye of the other when you're looking through a log in your own eye? So we can't see but through that which is present within us. So when we see the fault in another, we are seeing through the faulted perception within us. I won't say the fault in you, because you're the eternally pure one. You are the Buddha. You are the Christ. You are the divine nature. You are that already. So what you're looking through is a distortion in the mind, a distortion of the perception which has become more familiar with looking at differentiation and fault-finding than looking for the good, holy, and divine in all people and things. And yet we're taught that the very key, the very key to higher spiritual awareness is to look for the good, the holy, and the divine in all people and things and leave the rest to God. 
I would say, just discount it. Because that's not true vision. The closer you become to God and self-realization, the more consistently you will see only the good, only the holy, only the divine. Now, to begin to foster and fortify that quality, we need to watch what comes out of our mouth. We need to watch what we're speaking. Our tongue must be taught to speak words that align with the soul. I think there's a, well, not I think, there is a statement in the Bible that I don't remember it accurately, but it's something to the effect of whatsoever is good, pure, holy, of good report, dwell upon these things. Focus upon those qualities. Speak for those words that align with that. Discipline the tongue to follow the Lord. Which means fewer words, a pause before you reply, considering if what you have to say is aligned, really aligned. Lately, I've been really, really watching myself on this. And I might several times stop and say, wait, that's not quite accurate. Let me see if I can bring that into more pristine accuracy here. Or, whoops, I started exaggerating. That's not totally true. And I'll stop myself and course correct. So I've been really guided to pay attention to what comes out of my mouth. Because it's from your heart that your mouth speaks. So if your heart is harboring grievance of any kind, it's going to come out in your speech at some point. It's going to be sarcasm or those jokes that really aren't jokes at all. Oh, I was just kidding. No, you weren't. You were speaking from some grievance that came out your mouth. Now, you can't escape the effects of your speech. You cannot. Every word you speak creates form at some level. And you, as the creator of that form, are responsible for it. Now, the more conscious and accountable you become for your behavior, your speech, even your thoughts, because everything begins with the thought in the mind, which eventually does come out the mouth and invariably will come out in your behavior. So those three areas need to be brought into harmonic resonance, into harmonic agreement. When they are, you will have a vehicle of great power. But not until you have mastered the tongue. 
and made it utterly harmless. Utterly harmless. Which means you cannot harbor grievance in the mind and the thoughts. The Course in Miracles has many, many, many lessons that focus upon the importance of allowing the Holy Spirit to transform your mind because it takes that surrender to the Divine Spirit and allowing it to have its way in you and through you to correct your thoughts. Grievances, my grievances, hide the light of the world that I am. So we're speaking about moving into an age that's characterized by truth, satyam. How can we move into harmonic resonance with a world based on truth? if we're not resonating that in our daily lives. Oh, this goes into all those areas, doesn't it? Yeah, keeping your word. I remember uh, my grandfather saying, a man is only as good as his word. Yeah. Today we don't think much about that, do we? Satyam. Being consistent with what you feel inside yourself, what you think, what you speak, and how you act every single day. If you're really serious, really serious about realizing God, the path of every day authentic spiritual discipline, a real one, not one of these phony ones, a real spiritual path is going to emphasize purification. Purification. Purity is divinity. Pure, unconditional love is the only expression that is absolutely aligned with the truth of your being. We were made of love, for love, to express love, to generate love through our speech. The speech, when it is aligned with God, should bring a thrill of happiness to the listener. There should be a, a tremor of love and joy that percolates in the heart of the one that you are speaking to because it resonates with the core truth of that person. That's why so often people will weep when you speak from your heart truth that awakens their divine sense of being. Now weep. It's called bhakti tears. It's a beautiful thing. Those of us who gaze with the Croatian um, gazer Brazzo will weep and weep and weep when he just looks at us. Why? 
his gaze is activating that part that is the truth of our being. And the soul recognizes it and it weeps. That really is the purpose of our tears. Not to cry in self-pity, but to bathe the feet of the beloved. To wash the feet of the Christ with our devotion and love. Or like Pope Francis, to go to a prison, as he did, and wash and kiss the feet of the prisoners. We used to have, uh, in the movement of spiritual inner awareness, MSIA, we used to have a um, service training in which we would wash each other's feet. Because Jesus put on an apron and he began to wash the feet of his disciples, which was a shock to them. But Jesus said, if you don't let me do this, you will have no part in my, no part with me. Because I am a servant. I am a servant of all life. And each of us has buried beneath our egoic sense of self-importance a servant's heart that's crying to get out. It's crying to get out of the prison of self-importance and self-focus. We want to have joy, but you know how you have joy? Sai Baba said it very simply. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. J-O-Y. When we are focused on serving, we are purifying ourselves. We are transmuting our ego. And you know, the life of a master is simply one of service, ongoing service. Here we practice and practice and practice so that eventually we can go forward into the greater omniverses that are yet to be created and serve. It's all about that. And to sustain harmonic resonance even in the littlest areas of our life is what's so important. Doing what you say you're going to do. If you say you're going to do it, do it or don't do it half-heartedly with no intention of following through. You'll still be accountable for that action. And it will come around again to where you eventually deal with it and complete it. Most people are driven by past action called karma. Karma simply is a word that means action, to act. But every time you act, you're going to have an effect, cause and effect. The act is the cause, the effect you're going to have to deal with. You can't escape your own divine nature, which is creative. 
and designed to be a conduit and an expression and an extension of the heart, mind, wisdom, and creative ability of the source, your source. And so it's being very careful in all of the things that you do that you come into honest expression. You don't cheat on your taxes. You don't come into school or your job or to an appointment late when you have a time that you're supposed to be someplace you be there on time you are faithful in all these little things which demonstrate integrity which means the agreement of all your levels coming into alignment with your higher nature that's harmonic resonance. That's spiritual accountability. That's alignment of the human personality with its higher nature. Now, to sustain harmonic resonance takes tremendous practicing of mindfulness. Paying attention to where you allow those energies of the mind and your focus and your words to be involved. We were speaking a minute ago about karma. The way that karma is expiated, in other words, the way that is cleared is by getting involved fully in the area in which you are so fascinated. Your fascination and your involvement in an area means you have karma with it. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in that area. So involvement implies prior involvement, which has set into motion a chain of events, the causes of which you are now experiencing in your present life. But the point of origin could have been at any point in this life or previous lifetimes. We don't know. We only know that you are where you are and will be fascinated in that area until it's cleared. When it's cleared, the energy backs away and you're, you're no longer interested. I remember the day I was uh, acting. I was interested in acting in one part of my life. I came home and I was still in character of that uh, role that I was playing, and uh, my husband pointed out that I was still in character, and it wasn't a very pleasant lady that I was embodying in that particular play, and I looked at him, I said, you know what, I don't want to act anymore, I don't want to say words that are not consistent with who and what I am, I don't want to say negative things. In this particular play, this, this character was always fighting with her mother and saying ugly things to her because she really had an agenda to steal her mother's money. And I just woke up in the midst of that and I said, you know what, I'm not going to act anymore. That's it. I'm finished. And you know, I never again acted on any play. That was the end of my acting career. I didn't want to say 
words that were not consistent with who and what I am. And so the closer we get to our divine nature, the less we're going to tolerate our lower nature trying to insert an influence that isn't consistent with what we know is our true essence. We're going to say to ourselves, no, speaking ill of myself is no longer an option. No, bad-mouthing somebody and gossiping and slandering is no longer an option. No, being down on my case and speaking ill of me and my whatever, criticizing myself, no, that's no longer an option. Allowing my bad mood to infect the happiness of others around me is no longer an option. I've got to bring myself into alignment with the love that I am in my core essence and hold on to that resonance and that frequency and keep radiating that love until it absolutely surplants every other momentum in my being. And my natural default is simply a loving response or a patient response, whatever it is that has thrown us out of alignment with our true nature. We watch for it, and we call it out. It's like, no, you're no longer going to source through me. It's no longer an option. Gosh, every little tiny thing in our life matters. It has an effect on the collective we that is the one in many expressions. I remember my husband and I were called in for a private interview with Satya Sai Baba, great cosmic avatar. And Sai Baba drew me aside and he, he was talking very fast in a soft whisper so I couldn't follow everything he was saying. Of course, he was speaking to my soul, to my innermost self, not to the, you know, the outer personality. So I'm sure it got inside me. But he was going on and on and on about my relationship with my husband. Now, mind you, 45 or so years ago, 50 years ago, when I was having that interview with Sai Baba, I didn't think marriage mattered. I didn't think anything in my outer life was important. I thought the only thing that was important was realizing God. And so he's going on and on and on about my behavior with my husband, and I hardly even paid any attention. It was like, to my mind, that was so unimportant. But Sai Baba noticed inside me I had a feeling of contempt deep down inside towards my husband. I had judged him as being weak in this particular area, whatever it was. I don't even remember now. And Sai Baba put his finger on it. And I remember Sai Baba saying, why do you give your husband so much trouble? Why? Now, I didn't think I was giving him any trouble. But my attitude, you see, was not right towards him. I was harboring this not being fully in my loving toward my husband. And Sai Baba noticed it immediately. 
So everything matters. Everything is connected. How you speak to your spouse, how you speak to other people, how you speak on the phone, how you interact. Every little energy that you send forth is either aligned with the Christed being that you are or not. If it's not, it's in line with some egoic program. So back again to the karma, the action-reaction. Ambition is the karmic imperative to go through the actions that will clear the previous actions. The only problem is, if you do an action believing that you're the doer, you get more karma. So it's only when you operate with a thought that you are offering that act to God or that you are, in fact, simply an instrument, a conduit of God, then you don't reap the karma. And then you can start clearing and clearing and clearing those momentums that you've set into play. So ambition and that drive to succeed in some, some area is your karma pushing you. It's pushing you in that direction. And most people just act believing they're the actors, they're the doers, they reap the merit. And they keep recycling back again and again and again and again. I wonder why they're not getting free. You can't meditate for 10 or 20 minutes once or twice a day and not deal with all of these other areas and expect to be realized in this lifetime. And if you feel like you're stuck and getting nowhere, that's true. You're stuck and you're going nowhere except recycling back again to keep pursuing actions driven by your previous actions. If instead you offer your actions to the Lord as your act of service, as your love made manifest, desireless action, you don't look back to the fruit, you don't expect anything from your action, you do it purely as an offering, then you're karma free in that particular action. But how mindful and accountable we need to be if we're really serious about getting free. As long as you have a desire, a personal desire, you will come back because every desire must be fulfilled. Everyone must be fulfilled. There was a great, um, I believe it was um, in the Yogananda autobiography of a yogi, a story that's told about a 
a disciple of Babaji, <clears throat> excuse me, of um, Babaji, the great um, God-realized ancient avatar in the Himalayas, that one of his disciples had uh, just years earlier a fleeting desire to, to experience a palace, a beautiful palace, to live in a palace. And although he had long since, you know, re- renounced any worldly desire and he was, he was already an enlightened yogi, Babaji materialized for him a beautiful palace. And he found himself in this splendid palace. It was so beautiful. It just He was just looking in awe at all of the splendor and the ornaments and the magnificence of it. And he got to enjoy the fulfillment of that fleeting desire he had had years earlier to be in a beautiful palace. And then Babaji dematerialized it and granted him full liberation. But you see, every desire must be fulfilled. Everyone, except you're safe if your desire is only for God. If your desire is only to be of service. Those are called the desireless desires. Because it is the very nature of the soul to want to serve. You can tell when a person is in harmonic resonance with their true being because they're always engaged in serving others and making their their lives happier. It's the nature of the soul to give of itself selflessly in service. So that's the greatest harmonic resonance that we can have down here in time-space. And that desireless desire for God and to be of service will not create karma for you. Unless you get attached. (laughs) Attachment to God is always safe. But as Sai Baba told me one day, don't be so in love with humanity that you lose sight of me. Because I'm always saying how much I love humanity. It's true, I do. But as long as I prioritize what I'm, quote, doing more than what I am being, that is, immersed in God, immersed in God consciousness, then you see that becomes a hindrance. We can become so attached to our work, our ministry, our position, what we think we're here to do as a mission, that we lose sight of the most important thing that we are to do here on this earth, and that is to fully awaken to our God presence, our divine presence that we truly are. That is harmonic resonance when you are God realized. You're always that. But until it is realized, recognized, and your innermost experience, 
and you're able to track into that all the time and maintain that alignment, you're not free. You're still reaping the causes that you have set in motion in previous times. So take a good, 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 good look at your life and a good look at what comes out of your mouth and see if they match. Because that harmonic resonance and that agreement between your thoughts, your words, and your behavior must be in agreement to move into that higher dimension, whatever you wish to call it. And the number one thing that will block you more than anything else is to speak ill of another. And that includes putting yourself down. So if we're smart, we're going to end cycle on that tonight. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to put a strong bridle on us and a strong bit in our mouth like a horse and to hold those reins really tight and to check us if we step out into speaking ill of anyone and not ourselves either. And we're going to watch very carefully when we make an agreement in time-space that we honor it that we honor our word and we don't speak things that are not in complete agreement with the truth of our being. So, speech and harmonic resonance are very closely aligned because you are the word of God spoken into flesh in time-space. And your words, even when you're sound asleep and ignorant of your true being, carry an effect that will manifest in your life. So I hope this has been useful information. I'm right there beside you practicing it myself. If every day to the best of my ability. So let's just take this next step together, shall we? And keep moving into being more and more authentic and more and more aligned with who and what we truly are as embodiments of the divine. So let's go out chanting three, (coughs) excuse me, Anai Hughes, okay? Which is like saying you and I are one. It's a chant of empathy. Deep breath. Anai Yeah.
you've been listening to Commander Lady Athena of the Ashtar Galactic Command, and we've been speaking on our speech and harmonic resonance, bringing our thoughts, our words, and our behavior into harmonic concordance and agreement. That the very innermost truth of our being may be our presentation into time-space. And so, we of the Ashtar Command again send our blessings to every man, woman, and child that you may awaken to the love that you are, the divine purity that is your true nature forevermore, and that every area of your life could be brought into greater and greater harmonic resonance with that pure and divine being that is forever united with its source. Blessings and grace to each one of you. Namaste. Namaste.